I'm going to tell you Kyler Murray's path to winning the 2022 NFL MVP. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in Friday edition of Locked on Cardinals Live. I'm your host, Alex Clancy. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked on AZ Cards. Thank you for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. What is the path for Kyler Murray to win the 2022 NFL MVP? I'm going to talk about it. Is Antonio Hamilton or Antoine Wesley a bigger loss for the start of the season for the Cardinals? Cornerback or wide receiver depth? What are the Cardinals going to miss most? And, you know, we're 10 days away from kickoff. How has this offseason been? How has this offseason resonated with people? Just as a whole. It's just fascinating. This offseason has been absolutely fascinating. And I don't think I've talked about Kyler Murray enough. Because when you have set and forget position players, when you have guys that you don't really need to worry about because you know they're going to produce every week, you don't talk about them as much. I had some appreciation podcasts you know, over the, over the course of the offseason but we don't talk about Kyler Murray nearly as much as I should on this podcast. What is his path to winning the 2022 NFL MVP? Now, I'm going to remove the obvious. I'll give the disclaimer of, well, you know, if he throws for 5,500 yards and 40 touchdowns, yeah, okay, numbers, sure. Cardinals win-loss record, absolutely. We can talk about that, but we've prognosticated about that enough. What are things that he can improve upon in an effort to elevate him from a very good up-and-coming potential perennial pro bowler slash all-pro quarterback to an elite quarterback whenever he steps on the field. And there are a couple things. One is more micro and one is more macro. Um, I'm going to start with the micro. What's one thing that Kyler Murray can improve upon to get him to MVP level? be able to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in stepping up in the pocket and gunning it downfield, whether it be intermediate or deep ball throwing. I would love to see him take a Drew Brees step forward in that regard this season. Naturally, you want Kyler Murray to be in the pocket as much as possible, which means the offensive line is doing its job. Ronnie Hudson is providing the depth. DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham are providing the bookends that will allow Kyler Murray to have a handful of seconds to locate an open receiver and throw the ball down the field. But his ability to not need to spin out, not need to look at progression one, progression two, and take off running the ball, his ability already with his incredibly gifted arm to be able to step up in the pocket see the whole field and throw the ball. Like that's one thing that he's gotten better at every season. But if he can take that Drew Brees step, people forget Drew Brees was an, an okay, was a good quarterback in San Diego. And then he went to New Orleans and became Drew Brees. And Drew Brees 
not one of the taller quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, was able to become one of the better pocket-passing quarterbacks in the NFL, regardless of height. And his ability to step up and huck it is something that made him truly elite. And with Kyler Murray really wanting to take that next step, really putting together a full 17-week season for the Cardinals, production-wise, win-loss-wise, and not being somewhat embarrassed like they were in the playoffs last year, one of the big things that Kyler Murray needs to improve upon and he, as he has every season that he's been a quarterback in the NFL, is his ability to remain in the pocket, step up, and gun it. And with him being one of the more effective and efficient deep ball throwers, not having to do it fading away like he likes to do, you know, leaning to the left like he likes to do, it's like a jump shooter. A lot of jump shooters like taking the rhythm dribbles to the left, pulling up, and shooting over their right shoulder. That's kind of what Kyler Murray likes to do when he's throwing the ball down the field. He loves the fadeaway move, the touch pass, but if he can use all of his energy with the momentum moving forward, throwing the ball down the field, I feel like that is a step that he can take in the direction of becoming an absolutely elite quarterback and potentially winning the MVP in 2022. Now, if, if I told you now that Kyler Murray won the NFL MVP at the end of the 2022 season, what do we think that what do we think that would look like? What do we think the reason behind that would be? Is it now majority pass yards? Is it total yards? Are we looking at Kyler Murray as a passing quarterback who happens to run at times? Or is he kind of looked at as a guy that does both? Is he looked at still in the camp of more of a Lamar Jackson than a Russell Wilson with the percentage of pass-to-run ratio? What would it look like? I'm going to talk about it next as to why, in theory, this is what Kyler Murray's pass-to-run ratio should look like because he's such a gifted passer. That's the that, that's the foundation for the second segment. Should he remove running the ball completely? Absolutely not. But should he look more like Russell Wilson with the pass-to-run ratio? Yes. Buried the lead a little bit, but it's okay. Alex Clancy, uh, Locked on Cardinals. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a like. Turn on the notifications. Um, it's going to be a very fun season. And... Kyler Murray potentially winning the NFL MVP. Like it's not, he's not a 10,000 to one to win it. He's always been between 30, like 30 to one, 30 to one. That's about the area. What can he improve upon with the ratio of pass to run? I'm going to talk about it next. Locked on Cardinals. First, betonline.net. The aforementioned Kyler Murray's MVP odds at Bet Online is 25 to 1 plus 2,500. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. So if you want to put a little cheese on Kyler Murray winning NFL MVP, I mean, 25 to 1, pretty sweet odds. And while you're at BetOnline.net, you can find all the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's. Uh, opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more 
about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Kyler Murray's ability to step up in the pocket, survey the field, and make quick, accurate throws is something that can elevate him to NFL MVP potential. Alex Lancy locked on Cardinals. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day. I'm on location in San Diego. You can see my background's a little bit different. Um, I'm, I'm pumped for week one, man. Nine days away, 10 days away. Kansas City, afternoon game. We're going to find out a lot about the Cardinals in week one. It's not going to be a finished product, obviously, because it's the beginning of the season. But we're going to find out kind of what the synergy of this team looks like. And... Kyler Murray's ability to maintain in the pocket, step up, and throw. It seems obvious, like, well, duh. I mean, he's a quarterback. That's what he should be doing. Kyler Murray plays his own way. He's got a, he's got a different vibe. He's got a different, like, you know, way about things. And I feel like if he can be a little bit more structured in the pocket, it'll benefit him, definitely, and, and in turn the team. We saw Kyler Murray run the ball a lot. His rookie year, second year, same. Had a bunch of touchdowns. Um, smashed the over. I think the over under two years ago was like 495 yards or something rushing. And he punished that very quickly. And then we saw in 2020, when he stopped running the ball effectively, the team didn't do as well. Kind of the same sort of situation last year. But instead of Kyler Murray running the ball, it was James Conner. Focusing on one thing that worked in the beginning of the season that didn't necessarily work in the second half. If Kyler Murray can lean more towards the Russell Wilson run when it's given to you, but really look to be throwing the ball first and second option, instead of first option, looking through your progression, not there running the ball. I think, I mean, the heights of Kyler Murray and his ability to put up points, passing yards, things like that. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen, Oh, this is the ceiling. Now go do it again. We haven't seen it. Because his numbers, I mean, he only threw 24 touchdown passes last year, I think. He didn't play all the games, but still, that's less than two a game. And in this era of football, it's not, I mean, that's those are pedestrian numbers, people could say. Compared to 45 touchdowns, Tom Brady, things like that. Well, the reason why we haven't seen the ceiling of Kyler Murray throwing the ball is because he's been able to effectively move the ball down the field with his legs as well. There's a couple things that will be alleviated if Kyler Murray stays behind the line of scrimmage more this season. And he's been trending to do so. The longer you're in the NFL, the the slower the game gets, and the less you're going to have to rely on your your fight or flight, where it's like, oh man, I know that I can move the ball with my legs. I'm just going to do that. Hopefully that starts to dissipate a twin, you know, a, a little bit, and he's able to stay behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe throw for forty five hundred yards. Maybe throw for over thirty touchdowns, which acts as a safety a safety blanket for him running the ball, being in open water, as it were. And you know, it it, it structures the offense a little bit more. You don't rely on him running the ball to save a play that's broken. It's more structured, more Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was one of the 
more feared runners in the NFL for years when he was in Seattle, but it was because it was look, look, look behind, behind, behind in front of the line of scrimmage is lava until it's not. And then it's 30 yard chunk game. We've seen some of that from Kyler Murray for sure, but Russell Wilson's ability to just gain chunk yardage. It's kind of Patrick Mahomes. also where it's like, you don't see him as a runner, but on third and 12, could he pick up a first down? Absolutely. You just have to be fast enough. And Patrick Mahomes is definitely not as fast as Kyler Murray. And if you find a situation where Kyler Murray is now like closer to a true pocket passing quarterback who runs from time to time and it's working and you're utilizing all these wide receivers and running backs and the offensive line is holding up that's a more that's a recipe for success more sustainably in the future because you can use running as a crutch is the wrong word but you can use a quarterback running the ball to stay in games but it's not something that when push comes to shove it's going to take you over the top to win super bowls and both sides aren't you know absolute but if Kyler Murray can emerge as a more, I don't know, potent isn't right. If he can throw the ball a lot more and have the Cardinals put up the same amount of points, I think that is a much more proven and safe recipe for success than relying on Kyler Murray to run the ball. There's no excuse for needing Kyler Murray to run the ball at this point. I think that's something that needs to be understood is in my opinion, at least they've got all the weapons. The offensive line is deeper than maybe it's ever been. Hollywood Brown, Deandre Hopkins, AJ green, Rondell Moore, Trey McBride, Zach Ertz. The list goes on James Connor and the other three running backs. They've got all the skill position players necessary to make a situation where Kyler Murray doesn't need to run the ball for the Cardinals to get first downs and put up points. It's not 2019 with a makeshift roster. It's not 2020 where it was like the adolescent stage of this roster. It's like things are getting better. Plays are starting to perform. They traded for DeAndre Hopkins. It's getting better. Last year, full-grown adult. And then this year, it's the maturation of that full-grown adult from 2021. So this roster does not need Kyler Murray to run the ball. And that's something that needs to be kind of just looked at. Sure. They're going to be the design runs where Kyler Murray runs the ball into the end zone all by himself. Design runs and running for survival, running to put pressure so they know that they can get in a position to score points, that's something that can be tamed a little bit, in my opinion. So if Kyler Murray can become a premier pocket passer by stepping up instead of fading away, And if we can finally see what Kyler Murray looks like as a pass first, pass second, pass third, then run quarterback, I feel like not only for his stats passing the ball, not only for Cardinals wins for 2022, but the longevity sustained by a quarterback with that skill set has proven to bear much more fruits than what we saw in 2019 and 2020. He was doing what he had to do to, I mean, 
to score points and win games. Like this isn't a slight on how Kyler's played up till this point by any stretch. But the emergence of him becoming an elite quarterback and potentially a 2022 NFL MVP candidate hinges upon his ability to get better as a pocket passing quarterback and become more of a passer and less of a runner than what we've seen so far. And he can. We've seen it. Imagine Kyler Murray throwing the ball 4,500 yards and 30-plus touchdowns and running the ball five or 600 yards instead of fringing it on 1,000. Six and one, half another, six and one, half a dozen of the other. But the more players that opposing defenses have to account for, the better this offense is going to work, the more points they're going to score, the more games they're going to win. That's my case for Kyler Murray winning 2022 NFL MVP. Alex Nancy, Locked on Cardinals. Thanks for hanging. Uh, Friday edition live here on YouTube, Twitter, Twitter spaces. Uh, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can get the podcast free and available on all platforms. Leave a review if you'd like. I'm just happy that you're here with me talking Cardinals as we ramp up towards the beginning of week one of the 2022 NFL season. Antonio Hamilton, Antoine Wesley, both on the IR. Which one will the Cardinals miss most? Which player will the Cardinals miss most while they're sitting on the IR? I want to talk about it next. Locked on Cardinals. Final segment here, Locked on Cardinals on a Friday. I'm just happy you're here. I'm happy you're here with me. I'm happy that we get to talk Arizona Cardinals football. Like, let's just take a second here before we talk about some not-so-great news. Look at what's happened since 2018. You know, I see people that are constantly like just have like a like a real conversation here as if we're all sitting in a room together, okay? Do you understand how far this organization has come? A lot of it, some of it was self-provoked, self-inflicted is the right word. But 2018, my former co-host, Bo Brock, and I were sitting in the press box, had some lunch. It's fantastic. Ready for a new season. Sam Bradford's going to be the guy. David Johnson is going to come off, you know, being out all year in 2017 with a wrist injury and come in, and this team is going to be great. Larry Fitzgerald still living his third career his third win career after Bruce Arians reinvigorated him by moving him to the slot at times. And then the Cardinals are on the field on offense for five minutes in the first half. I look at the aforementioned former co-host, Bo Brock, one of my dear friends. And I said, what the hell did we just watch? What in the wide world of relegated NFL football to college did we just watch? And look at where we are now. Yes, I'm very critical of this team at times. And I think that it's warranted. Could I do a better job of sugarcoating things and maybe 
looking at a positive outlook for the future instead of living in the moment of the negativity. Sure, I'm working on it. Absolutely. Constantly a work in progress here. But appreciating where the Cardinals are just in an existential way. This is going to be very fun in 2022. These are good team problems. These aren't fringe playoff team problems. These are good team problems. And that's something that everybody should revel in. It's a step up. It's a step up. And that is like, you go in, you go into a season with completely different expectations. You go into a season with completely different outlook on things. It's like the playoffs are should be a formality and not they're a couple years away. Couple pieces. Let's see how these rookies do. And that's something that's like this is I feel like an after school special that just turned into. Like that is something that should be appreciated. And I don't give that enough credit. And that's on me. I try to be, I don't know. I don't know what I try to be sometimes. But this going into 2022 is a different feeling that this team has had in a long time. And you could compare it to after the 2015 season. Sure. Took the NFL by storm. Nobody really saw it coming. In, 20, in 2015, like, nobody saw Chris Johnson leading the NFL and rushing before he gets hurt. Nobody, like, well, David Johnson, you know, third-round pick was like, well, cool. Like, that's what Steve Kime does. Nobody saw Larry Fitzgerald doing 2004 Larry Fitzgerald things. And it all happening at once. The defense, terrors. But then they lose badly to Carolina. And then 2016 rolls around. And... They have the nighttime Monday night football game. It's supposed to be against Tom Brady. Tom Brady deflated gate. Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and Chandler Catanzaro misses a field goal at the end of the game. And the Cardinals never recovered. Was a paraphrase quote from Bruce Arians. So the Cardinals are kind of in that situation in 2016 now, but much more equipped for the future than just having some veterans in pieces that did very well the year before. It's a different ecosystem. It's a different collection of talent. It's like children, children compared to the board. Like, I mean, the average age, like if you take, so math and obviously everybody on the Cardinals, they're not children, they're grown men. Okay. But I'm not saying that is a diminishing thing. It's like the spectrum of where they were in 2015 roster wise to now is insane especially on the defense. You, you do. I, I go to my math teacher, and my math teacher will give me a pat on the back for this. So when you want to look at any sort of pool of data, you take away like the first, you take away the outliers, the bottom two and the top two. So let's take away the two youngest guys and the two oldest guys on this roster, like J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden. Let's just take those two, okay? And then offensively, you take away Rondell Moore, and whoever, Keontae Ingram, okay? And you look at the age, this is a freakishly young team. So the expectations 
heightened for sure after what we saw last year. And the sustainability for the future is something that we haven't seen in this organization for a long time. Not since Patrick Peterson was younger. It was always a veteran quarterback. It was always a veteran quarterback and some veteran pillars and a bunch of young guys around him. Now it's kind of flipped. It's all young guys with a couple veteran pillars who are all pros, Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden. But everybody's young. This is a new wave of the Arizona Cardinals. And going into it, that's why I've been so critical of Steve Kime this offseason because it's like, you've got the potential to be a playoff team for the next decade, barring any sort of injury, you know. You've got the ingredients here to have sustained success for a decade. If you look around the NFL, there are only a handful of teams you could say that about. The Cardinals for sure have a ways to go. They're not Buffalo. They're not Kansas City. We're not comparing them to other teams right now. We're comparing them to the Arizona Cardinals of the past. And I'm and I'm 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 critical of Cliff Kingsbury, absolutely, because every time Kyler Murray doesn't live up to a specific potential, or Kyler Murray doesn't have a drive in him when the Cardinals like against Minnesota, you could have got two first downs and you win the game. Said three and out, thirty-five seconds, forty-five seconds. It's wasting the rising action before the peak of this team. And it's not like, it's very short-sighted and it's very, you know, uh, grinchy of me to think like that at sometimes for sure. But it's like, listen, last year should have been a year that was capitalized upon. Not a moral victory like, oh, this team could actually do this. If this, if this, if this. Capitalized upon. This season must be capitalized upon. It's not like, it's not like, well, Kyler Murray's going to be around forever. So yeah, this is great. They're moving it in a natural progression. Yes. And there should be a lot more urgency than that. Because you have this ecosystem and you don't want it to fray. You don't want it to go away. You want to keep this in a vacuum. And by doing that, you have to continue to feed the plant to allow it to grow. And during this offseason, when Steve Kime wasn't making any moves, it's like, it, that's not what keeps a fragile ecosystem in a vacuum. Now, this team looks a lot better than it did at the end of last season. You know, could have been, could have been a lot worse offseason with how things have happened. But that's why I'm so critical. It's like, do you understand the potential for this team? Do you understand Kyler Murray's ability? Do you understand that that cannot be wasted by playing it safe or waiting too long or being reactionary instead of proactive? That's why I get so frustrated. But also, I need to appreciate more vocally where this team is now. Because I'll tell you what, it's fun as hell to cover. It's fun as hell to talk about. It's fun as hell to argue about. It's fun as hell to get excited about. No, I did want to, I, 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 I wanted to um, fulfill the, uh, the, uh, 
the tease here. Both Antoine Wesley and Antonio Hamilton are going to be on the shelf on the IR currently. Antonio Hamilton looked to be the CB2. He had a really unfortunate freak accident in the kitchen, spilled hot oil on himself. Hopefully he'll be better soon. And if I, I, I've been talking about this through camp and everything, I said in camp, there weren't a whole lot of storylines. It was Greg Dorch, it was Andy Isabella, but there was Antonio Hamilton. He was the story. Is he going to supplant Marco Wilson as CB2? If when Antonio Hamilton comes back, he's an impact player right away, this defense is going to be completely different. Antoine Wesley had flashes last year. DeAndre Hopkins went out. I think they relied on him too much after he had a couple acrobatic catches on third and mediums when, when Kyler Murray threw the ball down the field. A couple were for touchdowns. A couple were for chunk gains. Like, oh, this dude can play. He's big. He's a Texas Tech guy. Cliff Kingsbury knows him. He knows the offense. Who are the Cardinals going to miss more? I think it's obvious that it's Antonio Hamilton. But the other side of that, the idea that it could be Antoine Wesley, if you had to pick one to play for the first six weeks, the argument for Antoine Wesley is he's big, he's strong, he can make contested catches. And with DeAndre Hopkins out, the Cardinals offense can't afford to fall back. The Cardinals offense can't afford to have a a slow start or a stumble out of the gate because the defense is not proven yet to be able to stop opponents every week because we haven't seen this collection of guys do it. Can they keep teams under 25 points a game? We don't know. We're going to find out very quickly with Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, and and Matthew Stafford the first three weeks. We're going to find out. But the argument for Antoine Wesley being missed more is because they need all hands on deck on offense now. They need all hands on deck on offense now. If the offense doesn't start in week one and go through week 17 or week 18 as the strength of this organization, this is going to be a difficult season for the Cardinals. I don't think it's going to happen, but at this point, they've stacked the offense so much. Why not ride it? Now, having said both of that, I hope Antonio Hamilton and Antoine Wesley both come back healthy and both come back as impact players because the deeper the Cardinals are, the scarier they'll be in December and January. And that's something that with this young, talented, smart, freakishly exciting group that we're going to watch on Sundays, Mondays and Thursdays, depth is so important. The next man up mentality can now be put into play by the Cardinals in some form or fashion. When in years past, with it being so top-heavy, that wasn't always the case. And it's going to be very exciting going into 2022. Thanks for hanging. Uh, Locked on Cardinals. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Numbers are going up. I, I just want to talk with all of you about football all the time. Remember, every Sunday, every Monday, every Thursday, or Thursday, whenever the Cardinals are playing, I will be here at halftime doing a live show. Bring your questions, bring your beer, bring your comments. I'll be doing it on Twitter Spaces. I'll be doing it on YouTube. Let's build a community here. It's going to be fun. I was sent to Locked on Cardinals. I will talk to you on Monday.